Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with The Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. We want to welcome you today to Walk with God. You know, Walt and I are teaching through the book of Esther right now, and there are times when we teach God's Word that uh, it just seems very real, and this is one of those lessons this week. As we have uh, studied and prepared, um, we feel like Scripture is being played out in front of us. And so, friends, we invite you to listen today to the lesson. We invite you to open up your your Bible, some of the cross passages we want to share, um, because we know that we serve a sovereign God. God is in control, even when it seems like the events, the um, circumstances we find ourselves in are spinning out of control, and it seems like wickedness, the evil of this world is winning. You know, as we have been walking through these first couple chapters in Esther, we met this king, King Ahasuerus, a very powerful man, um, ruler over all of Persia, 127 provinces in his kingdom. And we see in that first chapter when his queen does not obey him and do what he wants, he does away with her. And we interesting in chapter two, remember, we we pointed out those words after these things. Well, you know, the king had gone off and he lost a horrible um, defeat at the hands of the Greeks and Greece. And now he comes back as it is to his kingdom and to his capital, and he's licking his wounds. And so his advisors say, we need to get a new queen for the king. We need a beautiful queen. And as we go through chapter two, we see that a woman is brought before the king. Many women are brought into the harem, but the woman who is crowned, her name is Esther. And Esther is a Jew, and Esther has been told by her uncle Mordecai, who has raised her as an orphan, she was an orphan, lost her parents, has said, do not tell anyone who you are. And now, at the end of chapter 2, remember Mordecai here at the end of chapter 2 has uncovered a plot to assassinate the king, and he tells the queen, he says, Queen Esther, there is a plot against the life of the king, and it is uncovered, and those, um, att- those who would have attempted to assassinate the king are put to death. It's interesting, as we begin now chapter 3, we talked about it last week. Again, here's this phrase, after these things. Time has passed. In fact, on the timeline, Walt and I were looking at it, it's about four to five years that has passed and taken place. And what happens now, for some reason, the king appoints a man named Haman. Ooh. Yes. When, when we start yeah. telling the story, this is the villain. And this. and this guy is really an evil man. He is evil. 
and he is proud. And this man wants everyone to bow to him, to honor him, but Mordecai will not. And as this takes place, um, Haman is filled with anger and rage as we finished last week. And you know, when, when we go through those first two chapters of Esther, you know, we believe God's behind the scenes and he's blessing, he's getting ready to bless his people. But now the circumstances are going to take a turn for evil. Let's begin in verse seven. In the first month, which is the month of Nisan, in the 12th year, of King Ahasuerus, they cast poor, that is, they cast lots before Haman day after day, and they cast it month after month till the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar. And even as we get to this, and, and we have this, this date listed, a, a good Bible student, we've said this a number of times, but you ask questions, what is Haman casting lots for? What is going on? Well, evidently, Haman was superstitious, and he's casting these lots to initiate a plan to kill all the Jews. And he's he's asking for guidance from the gods. This isn't uh, this isn't he's not asking the God of heaven and earth. He's casting these lots, and he settles on a day that's almost exactly a year in front of him. So he'll have time to put in place a plan that he wants to not just kill this Mordecai. He, he says, I'm not only going to just kill this one Jew. I want to kill them all. Um, and as, as we get into this whole text, um, it's going to be a year from now. There's a lot to set up. So as we continue in Esther chapter 3, verse 8, then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, there's a certain people, and they're scattered abroad and dispersed among all the people of the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people, and they do not keep the king's laws. So he's talking to them. They're not keeping your laws, so that it's not to the king's profit to tolerate them. If it please the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who have charge of the king's business that they may be put into the king's treasury. So Haman here has a clever proposal to the king. He said, these people, uh, they're not listening to your laws. We need to get rid of them. And not only that, I'm going to give you 10,000 talents of silver. If you track this down, we're we're talking about a a lot of money. We're talking about um, uh, um, many, many pounds. And with it, probably valued today at over $250 million. And he's saying to the king, I'm going to put all this money in. And then behind the scenes, once I, these people are killed, I'm going to take all of their possessions. Look, this is a win-win. And so that is the proposal they make. You know, I find that we were just talking and we were just saying, the king, Hashraos, it never even dawns on him to say, well, who are these people and how many are there and how many laws are they breaking? But, but with this, this evil man Mordecai is putting in place a plan and he's going to do it thoroughly. Yeah, and it you know as you're talking, well, uh, we I I think it's really important. I mean, when we're when we're in Israel and they're celebrating Purim, uh, you know that that we're going to see that at the end of this book. But when they're celebrating Haman, just like you went boo, 
I mean, Haman is evil and wicked. And so we, we don't necessarily get that yet in the beginning of chapter three. I mean, it's kind of like, well, he's proud, you know, he wants him to bow. But but we get very quickly in verses five and six, we see um, Mordecai isn't in, in I want to do away with Mordecai. But then that big phrase is, that wasn't enough. It wasn't just one man who didn't show respect to him, didn't show him the honor he was due. Oh no, okay, he is a Jew. I'm going to wipe them all out. And, and even when we get to um, verse 10 and, and verse 11, we, we get that explained to us. The king takes his signet ring from his hand. He gives it to Haman, the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews. It's not just these Mordecai enemy. He hates for some reason, and we, we delved into that. He, he wants to kill all the Jews because they almost wiped out uh, his family, or his extended family down through the years. Um, and they were supposed to, but King Saul, if you listened a couple of weeks ago, King Saul was, was not, was not yielded to the Lord and he did not fully obey the command of the Lord. And because of that, this, this family continued to live. And now this guy's in a position where he can try to wipe out the Jews. Yeah. And, um, that was the Amalekites, right? We were back in Samuel. Yeah, back in Samuel. <laughs> so we 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 visited with King Saul, and and remember, we talked about the fact that because King Saul did not have complete obedience to what God had told him to do, this is now what five four five hundred years later. Oh yeah, this is now coming back that the Jewish people are their their lives are being threatened yet again. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and again, the, the king of Persia, he's kind of being baited into this. He doesn't even know who these people are. He doesn't know that behind the scenes, he's, he's being prepared. He's going along with a holocaust, a, 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 an attempted destruction of the Jewish people. A man who the scriptures tell us in verse 10 is an enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, the money is given to you, the people also, to do with them as it seems good to you. You know, Haman's words to the king, I mean, he's, you can just see, he's just weaving this tapestry. It's a mixture. He's There's truth in there. But there's error in there. And he's also exaggerating. And, you know, the king, you know, he's, it's like he's sitting on his throne and he's listening and he's trusting this man who he's made number two over the kingdom. And well, certainly he has the, the people, um, national security and he hands over his signet ring to Haman here in verse 10, he gives him complete authority to write this document, to put his stamp in it with that signet ring. Once this document has the king's seal, that signet ring imprinted in that wax, the matter is now official. And you know, this king did not ask questions. He didn't ask, who are these people? What, what is their identity? He didn't ask Haman, why do they pose such a great threat to our kingdom? Have, have I been asleep for the 12 years I've been on the throne? Yeah, and, and I, I don't know if he was swayed by just this huge amount of money that, right. you know, because they, they've because had. Because money does that. Because money does that. 
and 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 just all of a sudden he's just saying, "Okay, you're going to pay all that money," and I don't know who these people. And I'm, you almost get the idea he doesn't care. I, I mean, they're going to have another party, and and so that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and it's what about their laws? So evil? How is it so contrary to what we believe? And how have I missed it? This king was not a wise leader. No, no. He was not caring for his people. He was not reigning over his kingdom. But instead, what had he done? He had released all of that into Haman's hands and totally was trusting him. In verse 12, the king's scribes were summoned on the 13th day of the first month. And an edict, according to all that Haman commanded, was written to the king's satraps, and to the governors over all the provinces, and to the officials of all the peoples, to every province in its own script, and every people in its own language. It was written in the name of King Ahasuerus and sealed with the king's signet ring. It is official and we need to remember that it is official. Yeah, and even as you're saying that there's some some ancient history here too. The the, the Persian kingdom at that at that point was all the way into India, that was all the way up to Greece and in, in modern day Turkey. It was south down into Egypt. I mean, the, the, the Medo-Persian kingdom had taken over from the Assyrians, from the Babylonians. This is a mighty power. And these letters are being sent out, verse 13 says, to, by couriers to all the king's provinces with instructions to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all the Jews, young and old, women and children, all in one day, on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, to the, plunder their goods. And these, the copy of this document was to be issued in a decree in every promise. And as we said, in, in the language that they understood, the couriers were hurriedly sent out by order of the king, and the decree was issued in Susa, the capital. Now, the king and Haman sat down to drink. It's like, okay, you know, we're going to send this out. We're going to be very rich. Uh, but the city of Susa was thrown into confusion because even at this time, there are still Jewish authorities, there's still Jewish people that, um, that are there in Susa. There, there are Jews all throughout the Medo-Persian kingdom. And this, this rage that fills Haman's heart and is planted that kill Mordecai and not just Mordecai, all his people, this, this is a, a dastardly deed that has occurred throughout history at different times. It's occurred, the pharaohs in ancient Egypt were, were trying to wipe out the Jewish people. Hitler, um, Hitler just um, in 19, the late 30s and into the 1940s, and even uh, this, um, this week, um, there has been the, the largest attack ever on Israel since the Holocaust. And um, this is, uh, this is a, a plot that Satan would always love to wipe out God's chosen people, the Jews, and, and put into the hearts of those who are willing to receive it just hatred and a desire to, to, to kill every Jew, not men, women, children, old. It doesn't matter. We just want to kill them all. That kind of hatred is satanic. So the couriers are hurriedly sent out by the king. The decree is issued, and, and the, the king and Haman, they sit down to drink, but all the Susa and also the really the whole known Medo-Persian world, the, the whole Persian world is thrown into confusion. Yeah, and it, yeah, the, 
that phrase there at the end of verse 15, but the city was thrown into confusion. Have we just not felt that this, these last few days? Um, the, the confusion, the chaos of a tragedy that has taken place. And Haman, this evil, wicked man, it, we need to see that as he, carries through. He gets the king's permission, right? He has his permission. They call in all the scribes. I mean, I can't even imagine the number of languages that these this proclamation had to be written in. But Haman saw it through and his that he had the king's signet ring. He he followed it through all Jews, young and old women and children were to be annihilated. He wanted to terrorize the Jews for the next 12 months. These couriers were sent out speedily. He wanted them to worry about what their fate's, fate would be. I want us to go to Proverbs 6, verses 16 and 19. There are seven things the Lord hates, and they're listed here in Proverbs 6. Almost every item fits Haman's profile Listen, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, and feet that are swift to do evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord. Haman's life was a total abomination, and yet the king had given power and honor to him. How, head to heart, how do I live out my faith each day? Does my daily walk with God reflect the fruit of the Spirit? Or is my life filled with these seven things that the Lord hates? We need to come and we need to look in the mirror and we need to say, Lord, how am I living each day what does my life look like? And, you know, Brenda, we've been talking about this this uncertainty that that is in even right now all around us um, in Israel. I'm, I'm sorry. We, um, we have friends and, and, and their kids. Um, we have friends that their kids, um, their daughter's boyfriend was killed just this weekend in Israel in this attack. And um, we've been interacting with people that we love and that we've been praying for, people we've been trying to share Christ with in Israel. And and it just seems like right now um, we're just faced with circumstances that we don't understand. How did all this happen and what, what the, the largest intelligence failure in the history of the nation of Israel? But um, at a time like this, what do we do? How do we respond? And there's there's a few passages that we go back to and act as an anchor one is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Uh, when I don't understand what's going on, what does God call me to do? What does God call you to do? And that passage, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. Don't try to understand it. It doesn't make sense. But in all your ways, acknowledge Him. Go to Him. Acknowledge Him. Ask him to calm your heart, and he will make straight your paths. I am confident that God is in control, and I am confident that he will do his will, and his will will be done. But I'm also realizing that right now it doesn't seem like there's um, 
any good that can come out of this, but we do know this. This book of Esther, it has the fingerprints of God all over it, though his name is never mentioned. And it's a book about the providence of God. God is working. Um, I love this quote from Dr. J. Vernon McGee, an old-time Bible uh, back in the day on the radio. And he said this, the providence of God is the hand of God working in the glove of history. Let me say that again. The providence of God is the hand of God in the glove of history. We might think that God's um, not working, but he is. He's arranging circumstances. He's bringing the people in to make these decisions, and he will get glory. And even as we get to that place, um, that place here even today, um, we're, we're, we're heartbroken. Um, this has been a very tough weekend, but we, we are going to ask the Father um, to squash the enemies of, of his and the enemies of Israel. Let me just pray. Father God, we do ask that. We ask um, that you will turn what the enemy meant for evil into a spiritual revival and the salvation of many. Um, we ask that you would give comfort to those who've lost loved ones, that you would bring strength to them, that, that you would heal the wounded. Lord, would you protect the innocent on both sides? And Father, we trust you uh, to do this because you said that Israel is the apple of your eye. Um, we ask that you would be God and king in the land of Israel, that you would use this to stir a mighty revival. And Lord, would you remember your covenant with Israel? You're not done with them. Rise up and defend their cause. And we'll ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, until we come together again, may you and I continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America and outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.